Good morning, church. Um, my name is Earl Carr. So today is um, sharing about the power of gratitude. And I'm so blessed and thankful to, first and foremost, to Brian Newby for giving me this opportunity to share about gratitude. I'm also extremely grateful for people like Heidi, for people like Matt, for people like John, Kappa. Are, we have an amazing worship team, live stream. There's so much that goes into making this possible. And I'm so thankful for all of you today. Trinity is really special to me. And I'm so extremely thankful for this church because in 1981, my mother brought me to this church for the first time. At the age of three, I walked in through these doors, and I can honestly tell you that I have ran through every single corner in this church, and truth be told, me and a friend, Patrick Sell, we grew up in this church, we even broke a window on the roof. Um, this church is special to me for, for, for several reasons, but another reason is this is where I got my first job. We would actually, through, through um, Peggy Sell, um, we actually, me and several people, we helped clean this church. And it was funny, as I was sitting down in this row here, I was watching um, the, the steps over here, and I took um, steel pins, and we cleaned every corner of this church. We moved all of the pews, put them to the side, and we cleaned and spent time several hours. And let me tell you, when I got my first check and I saw $70, I literally thought I hit the, the, the lottery. It was the most money I had ever made in my entire life. And I saw my name on that check. Trinity is important for a number of reasons. Um, I was baptized in this church right here at the age of 13, and I'll never forget uh, Keith Boyd baptizing me. Um, I would love inviting friends to church. Uh, we'd go on retreats, and it was there where I, was where I had the chance to come and know the Lord. And I'll never forget um, saying a prayer and asking God to come into my life. And then they did something that I never thought they would do. They said, if you said that prayer, and I was with all my friends, they said, will you come on down? And I said, oh, Lord, I, I was not expecting this. And I'll never forget my good friend Mark Atkins turned to me. He said, Earl, no peer pressure. So I got up and I walked down and I prayed with someone. And that was the beginning of an amazing relationship. Um, I'd like to share this next picture. Um, this is my parents. Um, I have my amazing mother and I'm so thankful for her. She has served Trinity and I'm so thankful, Mom, for you bringing me to this church. Um, this is my father, um, Earl Alexander Carr Sr. Uh, my father is originally from Jamaica and served as Jamaican ambassador to China, Japan, and most of the Far East. Uh, my mother worked at the United Nations for her entire career. And so I am a, an exceptionally proud Blasian or Jamaican, and I always like to tell my kids, once you go Blasian, you got the magic equation with the firm foundation. Um, I'm exceptionally thankful and, and, and fortunate of my family. Um, I have my amazing wife um, here today, Joanna Pankar. I met Joanna my sophomore year at the College of William and Mary. I was an RA at the time. She was checking in, and I was, I, was, I was studying Chinese, and I was having the hardest time with the language. And as I was walking by the doors, I saw this door that had some Chinese characters on it, and I knocked on the door, and I said, can someone here speak Chinese? And she said yes. And she stayed up really late helping me with my Chinese homework. That's when I knew she liked me. And I am proud to say that 
we were married in this church right here in 2006. Keith married us. And next month, we will, we will celebrate 16 years of marriage. I am blessed and thankful for two amazing kids, Francis and Mia. Francis is now 13. This picture was a little few years ago. Um, but when I, when I shared my topic with Francis and Mia, and I said to them, what are you most grateful for? Francis was really excited. He said, Dad, I am most grateful for video games. And, and he said, Dad, I don't know what life would be like without video games. And then he saw the distraught look on my face, and he, and he found Jesus real quick. And he said, I meant family, Dad. That's what I really meant. I said, okay. I turned to my daughter who, was, who, who just turned 12, and I said, Mia, what are you most grateful for? And she looked at me and I said, oh, she's going to say something profound. And she says, Dad, I have no idea. <laughs> and then she saw the look on my face and she also caught Jesus real quick. And she said, oh, yes, family. That's right. When we think about gratitude, I have four objectives for today. The first one is, why do we need to be intentional about gratitude? Number two, what happens to our life when we don't have gratitude? And number three, what does the Bible say about gratitude? And last, how to maintain a spirit of gratitude through both the good and the difficult times. And I couldn't help but think about the verse, rejoice always, pray continually, in all things give thanks. Have you ever been in a situation where you experienced something that you were forever grateful? Um, I have a special story that I will never forget for the rest of my life. Um, it was sophomore year in high school. It was, it, it, we had half a day, and me and my good friend, Rehan Reed, we got out of school, and we went back to Roosevelt Island, and we just missed the F train at 63rd and Lexington. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I've, I've got to wait another, like, 15, 20 minutes. I was really upset. And so, if you see over here, there's like a little ledge, and I said to Rehan, I said, you know, I've heard that you could actually walk from one station to another. And so I walked on the edge, went a little further, and I, was, I had the full intention of walking back. And as I went a little further, I went a little further. I said, you know, I'm young, I'm strong, I'm fast. You know, I think I could, I think I could make it. So as I, would, I went on the railing, and I started running, and I got to a point where there was no more railing, and I actually had to go into the tracks. So I said to myself, all right, I think I could do this. I started running. It was winter, it was about November, and I was running as fast as I possibly could, and sweat was just pouring down my face. I was about running for about five minutes, and then it dawned on me that actually, I could actually die and get hit by a train. And so I started saying in my mind over and over, I said, God, please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. I must have literally said that a hundred times. And I ran, I ran. And if you see the East River, so I started over here, ran over. About halfway, I've been about nine minutes, about, about, about seven minutes, I come to a place where there are two tunnels. There's a left tunnel and there's a right tunnel. And I have to make a decision in a split of a second which tunnel I'm going to take. And so I take the right tunnel and I keep going and I'm running as fast. There, there are rats. I can, I, can, I can actually see rats under me. Um, once again, I'm running as fast as I can. I'm physically exhausted. And I come to where I see a glimmer of light at the, at the end. And as I see that light, I see a train come this way. So had I chosen the left tunnel, I would have been hit straight on by a train. 
And as I get on and I, I finally make it and I come out on Roosevelt Island, five seconds later, a train comes right behind me. And so literally if I'd been there five seconds later, I would have get, gotten hit by a train behind me. And literally my, my, my legs are shaking but I can tell you, I have never been so grateful in my life to be alive. I didn't talk to anybody. I walked straight home. My friend Rehan was looking for me. I didn't talk to anybody. I went straight home and I said, church, I can declare to you today, there is a reason why God has me stand before you today. And I can tell you, whenever I take the tramway and I see this view, I have a new appreciation of the East River when I take the tramway. So why do we need to be intentional about gratitude? It's interesting when you look at the science, there's so many different reasons of how gratitude impacts our life. In positive psychology research, gratitude is strongly affiliated with a greater sense of happiness. And as I started doing more studies and looking about all the different ways that actually gratitude impacts both our physical and mental well-being, it was fascinating to understand that um, gratitude impacts both the physical health, the psychological health, but also things like empathy and reduces aggression. Grateful people actually sleep better. We have higher levels of self-esteem. Mental health is also greatly enhanced. It reduces levels of stress, burnout, and also post-traumatic stress disorder, and also elicits higher levels of resilience. A recent study by Stanford University states that those with greater gratitude can actually improve their credit score and improve their love life. Actually, I just made that up, but you, you understand where I'm talking, where I'm coming from this. So if we understand the science and we understand why it's so important to be grateful and to have gratitude, then why is it so difficult for us to be grateful? And I found out one of the quintessential reasons why it's so difficult for us to maintain and constantly be in a spirit of gratitude is the fact that it's hard for us to have a heart of gratitude when we take things and people consistently for granted. And that's why in God's word it talks about, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. Psalm 9, verse 1. I thought it's important for us as we think about gratitude, we can analyze the story of the prodigal son from the perspective of gratitude. So let's turn to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. 
when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never once gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thanks be to God. So let's analyze this for a second. The first scene is you, you see this son who essentially says, Father, give me half of my estate and, and, and kind of let me, let me go out. If you, if, you, if you understand the cultural significance, that's essentially him saying to his father, Father, I actually want you dead now and just give me your estate. I mean, it would, it would almost be similar to like my father and uh, mother in today's times saying, Son, you know, I'd, I'd like to, you know, maybe put, put you in the will. Can you, can you give me your social security number? And I turn to my, mo my mom and dad and say, hey, let's not worry about the social security number. Why don't I just give you my bank account? We just wire the money and we just call it even. I mean, the significance of that is so rude and, and it really smacks of, 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 of ingratitude. So what happens then? The son goes and he squanders his wealth and he hits rock bottom. And sometimes it seems that God changes our heart when we hit rock bottom. And it says the, the, the exact word is when he came to his senses. Let me ask you, church, what, what helps us come to our senses? I remember um, when Joe and I were, were living in Taiwan, um, our kids were young, and we were living in Taipei in the capital. And one of the, bone, one of the tensions we had in our relationship was the fact that it felt like every weekend we'd go back to Taichung, which is where Joanna's, um, you know, hometown is from, and we were there like every weekend. And I said to Joanna, like, you know, it'd be nice to be able to like not go 
to your, to my in-laws, you know, for the weekend and actually just, you know, develop our own, like, spend some time in, 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 in Taipei and make our own friends. Um, and what was fascinating is when we moved back to the States and I was taking care of the kids and Joanna, Joanna was going on a business trip and I said to her, I said, you know, baby, it's all right. Um, I'm going to handle business. I'm going to make sure everything is fine. You, you go do, do go, go, go travel. First thing I did was I called my mom. I said, mom, I'm coming over. Because I came to my senses real quick when I realized how hard it was going to be with those kids for the weekend. And so when you think about coming to your senses and we think about gratitude, there are also times where we deal, and it, it's, it's interesting is how do we maintain gratitude when we go through pain and suffering? And I've been thinking about this a lot for the last two weeks because if you look at this picture here, this is a picture of um, me and my family attending my, my, um, my sister's wedding. And this is seven years ago. And it was an amazing day. It was a beautiful day. I was there with my sisters, my wife. Um, and two weeks ago, we were informed that my brother-in-law, Jameson, passed away due to a heart attack. He was 42, two years younger than me. And I've spent these last two weeks reflecting, Lord, how do I be grateful? And when I understand 1 Corinthians 5.18 says, in all things give thanks, but Father God, it is hard for me to give thanks right now. And as I was reflecting on these memories that I have of Jameson and our family, I never knew that, never would have thought, you know, my, my sister would have been a widow, you know, at this, at this season of our life. God spoke to me in a very powerful way, and he gave me these amazing memories of me and our family, of Jameson. And at the funeral we had last Saturday, I met Jameson's brother for the first time. His name is Russell. And I turned to Russell, and I said, Russell, we both lost a brother, but I claim you as my brother now. And if there is any way that I can serve or be a resource, or I could be there for you, brother, you call me. And it was only through the grace of gratitude and through the grace of God that he gave me and enabled me to be able to say that to Russell. Um, we have a neighbor um, that lives next to us in New Jersey. And I always love running into her and we, she shares with me about her family and we, we share about life. And she was sharing with me that, you know, her, her daughter is going through a really difficult, you know, really difficult, horrific divorce. The kids are young. And she turned to me and she said, Earl, um, and I would, tell to, I would share her about my faith and I would say to her that I would pray for her. And one time she turned to me and she said, Earl, where is God in all this? And, what, and if you think about it, what she's really saying is, how can I be grateful through times like this? And I took time to really think about it. And I sent her, I sent her a text yesterday. And I said, you asked me where God is in all this. And I, and I wrote to her, God is in the breath that he gave you when he allowed you to wake up this morning when so many didn't wake up. I texted her and I said, God gave you, God is in the peace and tranquility that he gave you when you walked outside and you enjoyed life without any fear of bombing or attack. If you lived in Ukraine right now, you would have a fundamentally different understanding of that. And I said to her, God is in the love that he blessed you with a daughter. And when there are so many people that don't have the gifts or the ability to have a child. And I said, 
if there's anything we can do to be there for you, please let me know. As I reflect back on the story of the, um, the prodigal son, what's fascinating is that story when he came to his senses and he comes back home and the father sees him and was actually waiting. And what's fascinating about this story is that he said while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. So, so you can tell that the father had been waiting for a period of time, waiting for his son, not knowing if his son was alive or well. But he said, so the father ran to him, hugged and kissed him. And what's fascinating about this is that culturally, if you understand the context, older men did not run. And there's a reason why that older people at that time did not run. Because if you look at the garments that they, rate, that they wore, they did not wear underwear at that time. So if you think about the father who is running down with his garments up in the air, mooning everybody. I mean, the significance of that is powerful. But that he did that for his son because he had an air of gratitude. But he had to give something up. When he met his son and he saw his son after this time, not knowing if his son was, was alive or well, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of myself, like how would I feel if my son had done something like that or my daughter had some, some, done something like that. But he gave up something. He gave up his pride in able to maintain that spirit of gratitude. I don't know what it's like to, you know, lose a, a son or a daughter. My, my wife would tell you, actually, I, I do know, because when I was, when the kids were younger, I actually lost both of them. Um, one time, Francis was, um, um, we, he was in a parade, and literally I turned around, and I didn't see him anymore. For five seconds, that fear of knowing that you have lost your child was something that I will never forget, ever. And there was another time where we were at a, at a, at a lunch with another colleague, um, and Joanna said, honey, I'm, I'm going to go get lunch for the family. I'll be right back. Make sure you watch Mia. I said, yeah, sure, no problem. Literally, I turned around and she was gone. She saw her mom and Mia got up and followed her mom. And literally, Joanna came back. She said, where's Mia? And I said, I thought she was with you. That, that fear of not knowing where our daughter was, I will never forget for the rest of my life. When I think about gratitude and how to experience the power of gratitude, it's important that we need intentional habits to redefine our situation. Habits such as reconciliation. In Galatians chapter five, it talks about the fruit, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. How do we cultivate these habits so we consistently are able to maintain a spirit and stay in a spirit of gratitude is so powerful and important. To maintain gratitude, we also need to be able to share our blessings with others. I love this picture because it, it, it illustrates the importance of when the, when the son comes home. You see the son in the background. He's got his new robe on. You see him sharing and, and, and meeting with, with family and friends that he hasn't seen. And you see the older brother. And the expression on his face says it all. And the father's pleading with him, saying, come. But what's more important is that the father is sharing the blessing and the sharing why it's so important that his son be with, with them all together in this, in, this, in this spirit and air of gratitude. In preparation of this sermon, um, I thought of all of the Sunday school teachers who 
taught me at Trinity. And I contacted each and every one of them. And there were many. It took, it took, about, it, it took a while. There were about 10 plus Sunday school teachers. And, and it's often said that we stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. And I've been so blessed by so many people who have poured into me uh, and taught me Sunday school and people like Kenny Dugan, Bonnie Blackard, um, Dominic and Maureen Gonzalez. Um, and as I went through that list and I contacted them and I thanked them, the response that I got back was so powerful. So I'd like to give you all a little bit of homework today. I'd like you to think about someone who had a huge impact in your life. And I want you to write them and tell them the kind of impact that they had for you. I love this picture because what would our city, Manhattan, what would New York City be like? What would our church be like if we shared more of our blessings and, and exhibited more gratitude? One of my favorite prayers that sits in my mom's house is called a simple prayer. And it reads, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Where there is ingratitude, let me sow thankfulness. When I was in college, um, many of you know Jack Barbara here at Trinity. And Jack would write letters to me in college. And I remember one letter that he wrote that I still have after all these years. And I wanted to share briefly some of the contents today. He, wrote, he writes, iron sharpens iron, one man encouraging each other. Proverbs 27, 17. Dear Earl, as our friendship grows, so as our faith in him grows deeper. Just we become our father thanking others. I'm thankful for people like Jack and others who continually allow me to reflect on gratitude. In the video that we saw, one, act, one act of kindness was able to change someone's life within a spirit of gratitude for his entire life when he, become, when he became a doctor. How are you going to show gratitude today? Thank you. Church, I'd like to invite um, Heidi and the um, worship team to come up now. Thank you. <laughs> 